listening to PetLifeRadio.com. It's Behave with Arden Moore, the show that teaches you how to have harmony in the household with your pets. Join Arden as she travels coast to coast to help millions better understand why cats and dogs do what they do. Get the latest scoop on famous faces, their perfectly pampered pets, and who's walking who in Rintin, Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails. Garner great pet tips and have a doggone fur-flying fun time. So get ready for the pause and applause as we unleash your all-behave host, America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Welcome to the All-Behave show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. Now, when it comes to jump-starting conversations with newly introduced people, the etiquette experts, and yeah, even our parents, they've drilled into our heads to avoid the taboo topic trio. We're talking religion, politics, and sex. But mention anything about dogs in a conversation and just watch the smiles light up on people's faces. Face it, past, present, and future There have been and always will be incredible dogs doing incredible things on this planet. And to truly celebrate the Dog Days of Summer, we're delighted to welcome our special guest today. She is a renowned historian, author, lecturer. She devotes her life to unleashing the American cultural experience. And yes, listeners, that includes dogs. So I want everybody to give pause and applause to the creator of the website, America Comes Alive, the very perceptive and always engaging, Kate Kelly. Welcome to the show, Kate. I'm delighted to be here. And that was a wonderful introduction with me unleashing everything. <laughs> well, that's it. That's it for our show, guys. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> now, you know, for listeners who are curious, let's say as maybe a cat, Kate will answer some doggone perplexing questions such as, how did Dalmatians become the poster dogs for firefighters? How is Bo, the Portuguese water dog, faring these days in the White House? And a lot more right after we take this commercial break. So sit and stay. We'll be right back. Time for a pause. For furry ones, actually, sit and stay. All Behave will be right back. It's designerpetsweaters.com, hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com All Behave is back with more tail-wagging ways to achieve harmony in the household with your pets. Now back to your fetching host, America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Welcome back to the Old Behave Show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. Our special guest today is Kate Kelly. She's an author, popular speaker, and historian who seems to be fueled by this high-octane curiosity to research and share all things Americana, and that includes dogs. Let me just give you a little brief background on Kate. 
She's the creative force behind the website, America Comes Alive. That's americacomesalive.com. You guys are all going to now get the email. You're going to rush over there and register. She blogs weekly on arguably the most read blog site, the Huffington Post. She's written more than 30 books on diverse topics. You've seen her on ABC's Good Morning America and the CBS Early Show. And if you dash over to her site, America Comes Alive, you're going to discover her true range of talent. I mean, Kate can talk about Detroit electric cars, medical mysteries of the past, famous dads and comic strips, Cracker Jack and baseball, Cab Calloway and the Apollo Theater, and even Benjamin Franklin's firefighting bucket brigade. And she's here today to talk about one of your favorite topics, dogs. Everything from presidential dogs, military dogs, movie star dogs. Hey, it's the dog days of summer. So, Kate, ready when you are. I mean, seriously, I bet you were the kid in class that always had her hand raised saying, Why? What? (laughs) Who? Yes, you're probably right. (laughs) I didn't ever think of it that way. But now I guess what the personality is is whenever I meet someone, I stop to hear their story because it's the same curiosity that drives, you know, a student in classroom. I just want to hear, why are you doing this? Or how did you get involved in this? So it's like, it follows me everywhere. You are like a Charles Corral of the 21st century. And you have hair on your head. You're not bald. (laughs) Well, I have to say I'm having a lovely time. And it's, it's one of those things like to have a reason to knock on someone's door or pick up the phone and call them and say, Tell me more about this is truly a wonderful opportunity. Well, that's my question. Tell me a little bit more about how you came to create America Comes Alive. The site is great. I mean, seriously, I was spending a lot of time there, and I now feel like I know a lot about a a lot, thanks to you. Well, thank you. It was an idea that I, I wanted to go back to writing about history, and obviously the, and I'd written a book 15 years ago about the history of presidential election days. And I wanted to create something on the Internet, since that seemed to be the place that everything was happening, that dedicated itself to telling more about our American story. I was discouraged. It was before the last election. And, you know, you watch our country and you think about how wonderful the country is, and then you hear about how jaded people sound when they talk about elections and choice and that sort of thing. And I was raised in a town called Pueblo, Colorado, by a father who enjoyed paying his taxes because he told me it gave him clean streets and a fire department. And I thought, you know, (laughs) it's a little naive, but on the other hand, it's one of those things that to remind people that we get what we pay for, but we also have to contribute by, you know, it's like you don't have to help out at the fire department if you don't want to, but you can help out with, with meals on wheels or feeding the homeless. Like We all have to pitch in and we all have to work to make this country great. So I figured the site would be twofold. One was explaining my writing ability is that I can write things, complex stories in a very clear and interesting fashion. So I figured, okay, I'll do clear and interesting American history that people can digest in small bites, but I will also keep the through line, which is that we're all a part of the process and if something's bothering you, turn around and see what you can do to help out. That's very well put. And you're right. You do take a wide range of topics and you're able to bring home the message cleanly and clearly. I think you have a future as a writer. I don't know if no one's told you that, Kate. But <laughs> Thank you. you know, it's actually been long art to practice and I find it's like playing the piano. You've got to keep at it every day. <laughs> you must arguably have probably the world's strongest typing fingers in. 
Actually, I'm not a particularly good typist, and I am extremely glad for the computer and the fact that we can correct easily. I, I think my brain works better than my fingers do, so, so you don't have to have great <laughs> fingers. <laughs> well, when you say the word history to most people, maybe even the younger generation, now I'm not trying to sound like Grandma Moore here, but you can get the, ah, uh, kind of thing. But I think you've touched upon something. You've reached the medium that draws every age group in, and that's the Internet, because your website, America Comes Alive, you've got photos, you've got text, you've got videos. I think we can make history come alive by using the multimedia aspect like you do. Exactly, and it's really stories. What I want people to understand is that our history can be broken down into short, interesting stories and that's what I do. And then they come away with oh, one person emailed me and said, you know, I can read your post in the morning and it takes less than five minutes and I feel like I've learned something. And it's like, wow, you know, that's a, that's a great thing to be able to give someone as a gift. Oh, I think so. So speaking of that, so how did Dalmatians become the poster dog for firefighters? Why aren't beagles on the fire truck or little, I can just see little shih tzus going, we're going to the fire! <laughs> <Wouldn't Wee!"> work. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a really good question because I was down, again, my curiosity drove me down to the idea. Once I heard that there was a New York City fire museum, I went down to investigate it and the docents at the fire museum are retired firemen and I had the best time with these fellows, with them telling me all sorts of different stories, one of which was the story of the Dalmatian. And the Dalmatian gets along very well with horses. Now, you have to remember that when we first started having fire departments, nobody could afford to keep horses. So if they had a wagon that they had to pull, it was usually, you know, like in the late 1700s, it was the men who would grab onto the handles of the wagon and drag it along behind them. But as they began to be able to be funded and that sort of thing, they added horses, and one of the things they added when they added horses were these Dalmatians, because they had a very good rapport with horses. The Dalmatian had a couple of specific jobs. One of them was, as soon as they heard the fire alarm, they would bark, get the horses up and moving, go out to the street to begin clearing, you know, the barking would clear the area so the people would know that the fire wagon was coming out, and then the Dalmatians were speedy, and they could run either alongside, or actually it sounds like they ran in between the horses in some cases, to wow. get the horses to the fire. Then once you get to the fire, you want your pumping apparatus up by the fire as close as possible, but you don't want your horses up there because they would be in danger in that circumstance. So the men would unharness the horses, take them a ways away, cover them with a blanket even in the summer because the danger of flying sparks and burning the horses was very real. And they would, would set the horses up away from the fire and leave the dog there to protect the horses, basically circling and keeping them calm and just making sure that nobody came and walked off with a fire horse. So it was one of those things that they became a very important symbol. That was the story I heard at the New York City Fire Museum, but then when I went back in history to look into a little bit more on that, it turned out that Dalmatians had first become popular with the British aristocracy who had realized they were good coach dogs for the same reason. They, they had an affinity for being with horses, they would run alongside the carriages, and so that was sort of how that skill set was known about, and then it was translated over here for the use with the fire department, which is really a great story. Oh, that's really cool. I didn't know that. I mean, you think about it, it makes sense. They're big enough and they're fast enough 
that they can corral the horses. And so that makes sense. I can just see that's why the Queen's Corgis probably never were firefighter um, dogs because they're too little and, you know. And short little legs wouldn't cut it. <laughs> no, the short little legs wouldn't cut it. Hey, folks, we're talking to Kate Kelly. She is the creator of the website America Comes Alive. She blogs, she writes, she tells. And you know what? We're very lucky that we have you on our show. And we're going to be talking a little bit about military dogs and movie star dogs. But before we break for a commercial, Kate, I need to have you share how your cross-country trip fared with your dogs, Boo and Lucy. Because you guys just recently moved, correct? Yes, I know. And I spent seven months with all of my anxiety about the move being channeled through how the dogs were going to do. Because they had a good life in New York and... We had a woman who would stop and walk them if I weren't going to be around. You know, it was like, it was a very, very happy life. So I worried about it a lot. Boo is 13, so I was especially concerned just because he was so old. And yet both of them are rescue dogs. Both of them are fairly timid. What's Boo's uh, genetic makeup? Boo is a beagle basset hound. And Lucy is what I call a Mexican street dog because she was actually rescued in Mexico after being hit by a car down there lived for a year and was eventually brought up by a, one of our vets who goes down there to run a spay clinic. I don't know exact ages, but I knew, I mean, certainly Boo acts like he's really old. I was a yoga class and a woman told me, have you heard of Pet Airways? And so I started doing research and this is a little airline that flies once a week east and once a week west. So you have to buy into whatever their schedule is and they stop frequently going across the country. And I was a little concerned about the length of time, but I figured the animals are in the, the cabin with an attendant, a paw attendant. And so I investigated this and decided that even though it meant that the dogs would have quite a long, you know, like 16 or 17 hour flight, that was better. And the day we actually flew them, it was 92 in New York City. So I absolutely could not have used commercial flight. It also was not particularly expensive because they provide the crates. So I would have had to buy travel-ready crates and all that stuff. And so it basically was what I would have paid for shipping them anyway. The dogs did great. We were, all the owners were there as nervous as I was as we waited for the dogs to get off the plane. And Boo was one of the first dogs to come out, and he looked like he was ready for his frequent flyer miles. He was happy. He <laughs> was settled, and they love California. They think we actually made a mistake and brought them to dog heaven, and we just happened to come along because they are really <laughs> happy. So forget the problem about worrying about your dogs adjusting. Worked out great. <laughs> Well, I have to disclose, because I'm a former newspaper reporter for 20 years, I am actually the behavior consultant for Pet Airways, so I'm really glad to hear you like the service. I was there on their first flight in July a couple years ago, and it is all about passengers, and what's in the cabin for the pilot, the air climate and all, is the same thing for the dogs and the cats. And the only two-leggers on board are the pilot and the co-pilot, which tends to be a vet tech. And then, like you say, it's a different way of flying because they do make frequent stops. So I'm just thinking all these dogs and cats don't have all four legs crossed. And they do have pet lounges and dogs and cats sometimes are boarded overnight. But there's a vet nearby or a vet tech on hand. And if the pets need any meds, they're fine. So it sounds like this was a good choice for you, especially in the dog days of summer. Being it's so hot, there's no way they could have flown in a commercial airline. Totally. And even without my asking, 
very, I was going to let Boo miss his medication, and they really wanted to be able to give it to him at the time that he should have taken it. And they also put him in those special needs to make sure he was toward the front of the plane and would be checked more frequently. So, and that was all a, their idea, not mine. So I was very impressed. What kind of medication does Boo need? He's on all sorts of rheumatism stuff. This one was Duramax and Tramadol. He needed the Tramadol in the morning. And otherwise, he, he you know, I saw him for the next round of medicines. So he's just very okay. arthritic. Ah, uh, well, that's good that you're taking care of them. What are their personalities like? What's Boo and what's Lucy like when they're hanging out together and they're not flying the friendly skies? Boo is tremendously nervous almost all the time. And when we adopted him, we had uh, a Tibetan terrier who was the boss at that time, a female Tibetan. She died at the age of 17 and a half. When we got Lucy, Lucy immediately stepped into the role of being the boss. And, okay. and they're adorable together. They do very well. They watch out for each other. And Lucy is one of those dogs where it's like you're, I think they're always grateful that you took them in and they know it. But Lucy is so friendly and so cheerful. And it's kind of like, oh, all right, this sounds fun. <laughs> so, so they don't like July 4th, so last night was a rough evening. But other than that, they are very happy. And I have to say, for the first time, we had a party here for my daughter's friends, and both of them decided they were party animals. And that was something they had never been in New York. So I think they just really drink in the California spirit, and they're going to do great. Well, I'll have to send you a copy, autographed copy of my book, Dog Parties, How to Party with Your Pup. How's that? We'll get it for <laughs> you and Boo and Lucy. I think it's one of the most insightful, in-depth pieces of writing that anyone has ever written. I mean, seriously, I'm just kidding. But um, <laughs> it, is, it is all about how to sneak in good doggy manners in a fun setting. But it's also for people, too, because think about it, Kate. We multitask so much. If you're at a dog party, you can't multitask. You have to live in the moment because the dogs are taking center stage. So I'm not Oprah. I can't give you a trip to Australia, but um, <laughs> I, I would love if you would like a, a copy, autographed copy of dog parties for your family. I would love that. And, you know, I, one of our first parties that we were invited to in this new neighborhood was a standard poodle party. And oh, we cool. went to our neighbors. We were invited only because we were the people next door, and I think she thought this was a good way to roll us in. But... She had 14 standard poodles there and used it as a fundraiser. She happened to do it for Meals on Wheels, but I think you could do a breed type of party like that and do it for one of your rescue organizations or an animal-related cause. And it was fun. We had a good time. The dogs had a blast. They got publicity in the local paper. I mean, it was like, (laughs) it was perfect. I can just see the poodles going, hey, you're looking pretty good. Oh, you're looking like, hey, that's why. (laughs) Well, I thought about putting... Losing yeah, the costume, but it wasn't going to work. <laughs> <laughs> We're speaking to Kate Kelly. She is the force behind the website America Comes Alive. You've seen her on television. She's written a number of great books. She knows politics and she knows pets. And we're going to talk to her right after we take this commercial break and learn a little bit about some military dogs, some movie star dogs, and even some presidential dogs right after this commercial break. So everybody, just sit and stay. We'll be right back. Time for a walk on the red carpet, of course. All Behave will be back in a flash right after these messages.
I Love My Pets, the new single by Mark Winter, available on iTunes. Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Hi, this is John Provost. You might remember me as Timmy from the Lassie series. Well, you know, every time Lassie comes home, she always has me turn on Pet Life Radio so she can listen to Arden Moore on that show, you know, Old Behave. We're back from the lot. Just checked the paper and we had a record showing at the box. The letterbox, that is. Now back to Old Behave. Here's Arden. Welcome back to the Old Behave Show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. I'm having a great time talking with Kate Kelly. She is the uh, creator of America Comes Alive, the website. you got to register for it. It's real easy, folks. AmericaComesAlive.com. Every day she will give you a nice jolt to your morning cup of coffee, and it's caffeine-free. She'll make you laugh. She'll make you think, and that's important these days. We're talking to her about the dog days of summer and we did talk a little bit about the Dalmatian, the history. Any updates on uh, Bo, the, the dog in the White House? Is he behaving? You know, one of the sites that we are linking to wanted Bo, and I was a little, like, hasn't he had enough coverage? But when I looked into it, it was a couple of interesting things. First of all, it turns out Bo was a rescue dog. He had been placed with another family and then had come back to the breeder, as breeders usually request, because he hadn't worked out. So only then the late Edward Kennedy, who was giving the gift to the Obama children, had asked his trainer to work with Bo, and then he was successfully placed in the White House. I think it's actually very interesting that they do keep a pretty low profile with Bo. You know, the Bush dogs had websites and all that sort of thing, and Bo is kind of low-key in terms of visibility. I guess Michelle now and then will come through the White House during a tour and we'll have him. And certainly when she goes out to speak to children, there are lots of questions about Bo. And it sounds like he gets to be just a normal old dog, Sounds like she gets up at 5.15 in the morning with him some. (laughs) All the things that a normal pet owner would do, and he's very much loved within the family. So it was actually a fun piece to look into. You made a good point, because I'm thinking even with Clinton's cat and uh, his dog, I mean, there seems to be, you know, their own books, their own websites. So maybe Bo knows it's okay to be a normal dog. I think that might be true. All right. Now, what about, you've also, uh, one of our guests on a previous show was Kat Albrecht, the uh, gal that uh, does a lot of search and rescue. And oh, was she people. on? How yeah, cool. Yeah, she's also, see, you got to scroll down our, it's like TiVo for the years. Once we post this episode, it's there forever. So she was a really great guest. She gave a lot of good information. I noticed on your site, America Comes Alive, You've talked a little bit about her role with uh, some special dogs that are getting an encore career after their so-called retirement. Can you share a little bit about that, Kate? Yes, and that request, I had a specific request that I talk about some older dogs, and I thought, hmm, that's an interesting thing. So when I started looking for older dogs, I came upon her story and the fact that she was a canine animal trainer with the Santa Cruz University Police Force. And one of her dogs had dug out of of the yard. So she went through the emotional feeling of what is it like when you actually lose your pet. And then, of course, because she had the resources she had, she was able to call one of her friends who had a dog who could help her find AJ. And they went out in search, found AJ within 15 minutes, and she realized 
this probably has the makings of something else I could do. And so she's turned it into a, a, you know, first of all, a pet detective agency where she will go out and help people find them, but she's also started a missing pet partnership where they post information on what the logical things to do to look for your pet if if it's missing and, and the way other people can help run similar businesses and that sort of thing. So she's broadened it into a much bigger thing, but again, using the skills and the knowledge that she learned from regular tracking of, of human beings. And, and she now uses mainly retired canines from police forces for this job. I think that's kind of great. It is giving them an encore career because they've had all that time, money invested in the training of these dogs. But obviously, as they get older, they're not going to be able to chase down a criminal as quickly, you know, but they can still pick up the scent of somebody that, you know, might be lost or a pet that might be lost. Exactly. And and Kat's point was just how panicked she felt, how panicked and out of control because your dog can't call home. So it's one of those things that it is really important that they have some way of getting, you know, hunting for them. Right. And the, her, I want folks to know that there is a great site Cat has. It's called Missing Pet Partnerships. So you can go there and Cat is her name. Seriously, even though she's all about dogs, it's K-A-T-A-L-B-R-E-C-H-T. And her name, com. She also has a nice site. But I thought that was great that you were able to uh, sniff out that story, Kate. Exactly. <laughs> Now, what about any movie star dogs? You got any good things you want to share in all your uh, researching of history and, and dogs? Well, coming up in the future, I'll be doing Lassie. And Lassie was, the movie Lassie was based on a book that was written. And so Lassie was basically cast because this is the kind of look they wanted. Even though Lassie is a, a female in the movie, they always cast males because evidently they've got a fuller coat. And all of the Lassies, there have been nine of them, come from the same bloodline. So that was interesting. So first I got about Lassie, and then I turned to Rin Tin Tin. And Rin Tin Tin actually has a fascinating story, which is that he was a dog discovered in World War One when the military had bombed a war dog kennel. And the Americans went in, a fellow named Lee Duncan went in and, and wanted to make sure, you know, was anything there. And a mother German Shepherd and her new litter of puppies were there. So the unit took most of the dogs, but Duncan took a male and a female puppy and, and brought them with him eventually back to the United States. The female died of distemper on the trip on the way back, you know, they were coming by ship, but the male made it and Rin Tin Tin came back to live with him in California and was basically a dog that just sort of naturally took to doing all sorts of things. And someone at a dog show saw him scale an 11-foot fence, you know. Oh, and, my gosh. And they had filmed it. So at that point, Duncan realized, well, maybe I've got a dog that could be in show business. And so he started going around and, you know, knocked on all the doors, didn't necessarily hit with success, but eventually Warner Brothers was not doing well at the time and took a chance on Rin Tin Tin. <laughs> oh. The rest is history. <laughs> nice, <laughs> it, nice. It was interesting just that it was just such a different, it wasn't like he was cast to be a movie star. He was kind of like, he was kind of born a movie star, it seems to me. <laughs> So he's kind of like the uh, modern-day version of, you know, the Pirates of the Caribbean and other big-budget movies. I mean, he put a little financial juice back into Warner Brothers then. Exactly. Think about that. That the basically, it, the success of the studio started out because they, they took a chance on what was a pretty high-risk deal, but it worked out great. 
Oh, man, that's great. So you do a lot of different topics. I mean, what's your thoughts when it comes to doing something about dogs? And have you done anything about cats? Because we do have listeners who love all kinds of pet species. You know, actually, when I, I have been talking to people about the idea that I probably ought to do cats, I'm thinking December might be a nice time to do a, a series on cats. And what I would love is if people will go to the website and email me. My email is easy to find there. And if they have good suggestions on cats, you know, it's a little hard to find the stories about heroic cats mm-hmm. but, or remarkable cats. But if I begin to hear from people, I would more than love to do it because it is a very logical type of thing to do, especially at a time when, you know, like I guess July and December, those are right. kind of months when you want to, you kind of want whatever you're going to learn to be light. Easy. I have a perfect one for you. How's that? I would love that. Okay. The cat's name is Henry. It's a three-legged cat. The website is henrysworld.org. This is a little tabby that was in a community of Julian, California. And this lady who's a psychologist, she has a second home there and has always been a dog lover. Her name is Kathy Conheim. And this cat comes and she starts feeding this cat outside. Doesn't like cats, but feeds this cat. Well, the cat gets hit by a car or something and she comes back to her cabin in Julian and sees this cat with this leg kind of like dragging. So she takes the kitty to the vet, and the vet says, you have two choices. We can put this kitty down, or you can have the kitty's leg amputated, and you adopt this cat. And she's like, oh, my gosh, I don't like cats. What am I doing? Of course, she did the right thing. Henry's world now, she's written books. She reaches out to kids in places like Haiti and places where there's natural disasters, children of the military, and the message of the cat is to play the paw you're dealt. And oh. I am not doing it justice, but I think you would, this would be a great person for you. The oh, cat was named the cat perfect. of the year by, by the ASPCA. And I personally met Henry, and Henry's a pretty cool cat. And uh, so that would be a good one if you're interested. Oh, I think that's wonderful. Thank you. That's great. Yeah, and it, it's this cat is amazing, the message of hope, not hopelessness. And so uh-huh. she actually has this, she's had two hand surgeries because she's had to reply to so many people on the keyboard. <laughs> not My the cat, no, Kathy. You know. yes. <laughs> Henry's like, I don't do that. I'm a cat. I'm going to have something else. But Henry so probably curls up and either lies on the keyboard or lies in your lap during the letter yeah. <laughs> writing part. Trust me, I grew well, up with cats and with I know a, what a, they a, do. Really, I am so glad you could be a guest on our show. She is the creativeness behind America Comes Alive, the website. I want everybody to register and get her daily notes. She does make history come alive, and she hits on all different topics. Kate, is there anything you'd like to add before we bid adieu? Just that I hope they'll visit my website and have a wonderful time. It's there as a gift to the people, so thank you. I think Dalmatians everywhere are going, Kate rocks, Kate rocks. She told us all about our past, Kate rocks. So that's good too. <laughs> all right, everybody, go to americacomesalive.com. And also at this time, I want to give a big pause up to my cool producer, Mark Winter. He makes this show happen each and every week. You are listening to Oh Behave on Pet Life Radio. It is the world's number one pet podcast network on the planet. That's a lot of peas. We have a lot of great shows on the website, so I want you to dash over to PetLifeRadio.com and learn more about that. So until next time, this is your flea-free host, Arden Moore, delivering just two words to all you two, three, and four-leggers out there. Oh, behave! 
coast to coast and around the world, it's All Behave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do and get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get great tail-wagging pet tips and have a fur-flying fun time. All Behave with America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Every week on demand. This is the place for a special paparazzi treat only on PetLifeRadio.com.